Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. So take your best, scariest, fearful thought. Now turn the volume up on it so it's like, oh man, it's worse than you thought. You're feeling that more. Now leave that right where it is. And now imagine this is how your life is going to be like for the rest of your life. That level of fear, something changes, right? Hi, it's Joseph and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Today, we're going to sink our teeth into the meat of meditation, what the end goal of awakening or enlightenment actually looks like. And to start, we're going to look at how my favorite Zen teacher defines enlightenment. This episode was originally recorded as part of the Meditation for Awakening course available at clearandopen.com. If you want to begin your meditation practice on the right foot or take your existing practice to the next level, and save a whole lot of time in the process, head over to courses.clearandopen.com to find the course. Also, it's that time again. Clear and Open's spring quarter begins April 1st, 2021, with the next live course, The Psycho-Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram. You may have heard of the Enneagram, or maybe not, but the way most people relate to it is just as another personality typing system, but it's actually the mother or father of all personality typing systems. When you understand the model, you can literally see that every personality typing system we have, and there are so many these days, is simply derivative of this model, the Enneagram. Enneagram is so powerful that it changes the way you relate to yourself and others irrevocably. You will wonder how you ever lived without it. This is not an exaggeration especially if you manage people. I often say you cannot effectively manage people. You simply cannot without knowing the Enneagram. I'm not exaggerating. This course will be a deep dive into the psycho-spiritual dimensions of the Enneagram, aspects not usually talked about, which have immense ramifications everywhere in your life. Not knowing the Enneagram is like not knowing your own gender, in my opinion, because it sheds that much light on who you are, what drives you, and how to be the best version of yourself. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know I don't hype stuff like this. This is, uh, that's not like me, but I'm really serious. It is, for me, for anyone who is on a consciousness or healing path, it is required, it is mandatory, you've got to learn this. It's the ABCs in some ways of the uh, psycho-spiritual development world. I use it constantly in my work with people, When you know it deeply, it's like having x-ray vision into yourself and others. In this 11-week course, for the first time, I'm going to try to, anyway, impart that ability to you. It's not going to be easy, but if you take the course seriously, you will have that x-ray vision. Sound interesting? To learn more, go to clearandopen.com slash Enneagram. That's E-N-N-E-A-G. R-A-M. Again, it's clearandopen.com slash Enneagram. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. I hope to see you there. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's start the show. Hi, 
Ajashanti is my favorite Zen teacher, and people are always trying to corner him into defining what enlightenment is like, and he uh, resists it uh, assiduously. But I heard him say one time when he was really pressed, he said, you just, you don't absolutely know, but it's been so long since you got hooked by a thought, you just know you're not going to believe the next thought. And he said, and it could be in the next moment I get hooked by the thought, but you, there's just a knowing that you're not going to get hooked by the next thought. And sense into that for a second, because we all know every day there's at least one thought that hooks us, right? We get lost in it, we get anxious, we get depressed. We may pull out of it for a minute. It may, it may take a minute, it may take an hour, it may take weeks. But imagine what it would be like to, to never be hooked by a thought in that way because you just don't believe you're not. Deborah? Joseph, I, you know, when, when you think about what Curtis asked, I don't think he's asking you, but what, let's, let's uh, talk about what actually losing that meditator would look like for him in these instances where he's, he's constantly addressing these negative fear thoughts that come up during his meditation. What, what is defined as a success for him, even on a small basis? I'm just curious. That's a good question. I mean, from what it sounds like, it's not hooking, not being hooked by the thought, not, not allowing the hook. Am I? Yeah. Yeah. So here's another way of talking about meditation. One of the best. Meditation is fundamentally about allowing everything to be. Right? So if the ego is in charge of constantly improving the experience. Oh, this could be better and this could be better and I would like it to be this. Well, the opposite of that, if you will, is allowing everything to be exactly as it is. Which Kurt is beating himself up right now because he already knew that. <laughs> I, I was going to say that, that that makes me think of something, which is that just because all of those thoughts, you're not in charge of them, you're not creating them, that it's not that there wasn't a reason. There actually most likely probably was a reason for every single thing that's ever happened. It just may not be transparent to you and it may not be yours to know. But, but that has helped me kind of let it go where it's like, well, there actually is probably a reason. I just may never get to know or it may not be productive for me to ever try and find out. But yeah. at least it's not just a mystery it's just a mystery to me. It's not necessarily like a big M mystery that no one ever gets to know. And yeah. then that, you get focused on that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So it's like, it's not necessarily your responsibility to investigate every thought and see where it came from. Now, if you have recurring thoughts, that would be where, you know, where you run into the same thing again and again and again. Like, um, if you're running into recurring thoughts, then that's a domain to possibly investigate therapy uh, or some other kind of intervention. So like for me in my meditation for about probably three, four or five months, I kept running into the fear of disintegrating into an infinite number of pieces. And that's a fairly common uh, meditation fear that, that comes up. And then I have a Zen coach slash therapist that I was able to work with with that fear. So I would basically get to a place where I was feeling that fear. And then she would do some things with me to sort of be with it, sort of aerate it. And then uh, it went away. So it's not that 
there aren't some things that need investigation. It's like you ever have a, uh, you know, you'd be going through your day doing errands or whatever, and you have a thought about something, an ancient memory, and then you realize that it was like the smell of someone's perfume that reminds you of you of your ex-girlfriend, which reminds you of that school and then that teacher, and you actually see it, you know? That's happening, I think, all the time. And it's just rarely we actually see how, what the train cars were. So you could try to actually trace every thought and where it came from. You'd probably make yourself crazy if you were able to do it. But the point is that it's not necessary. Just realize, yeah, it's arising, just like a bird is singing, just like the rooster crows, just like the wind blows. It's just, it comes, it comes, it comes. So I don't think I st- still haven't answered Catherine's question. The thought has you, you believe the thought, you take actions based on the thought you believed. You could say that consciousness, like being a conscious person, is the ability to aerate those steps so that they're not automatic. It's one way of defining that. There's space around the thoughts so that you don't have to believe them, so you don't have to act on them. And the highest form of that is disidentifying from mind so that you you don't feel automatically just slave to it. You have to impulsively be whatever it tells you. You know, the the difference between, you know, a quote normal person and uh, I have a friend from college who was diagnosed schizophrenic when we were there and I talk to him every once in a while. And he has really intense thoughts like many of us do. And the, the disease I would offer is that he believes them far too readily. That's what, when we say delusion, we talk about delusions like, uh, you know, an abnormal psychology. Well, what's the difference between someone who, you know, thinks they're Jesus and that their helicopters come in, men in suits coming to get them, and, uh, you know, us thinking that the guy who just cut us off, we should come outside and run, run him off the road. We have those thoughts, right? We just don't believe them quite as much. But for a moment, you want to kill that person. Right? The sick person that may last hours or days or weeks, but for us, it's just like 30 seconds. So we're healthy and something's wrong with them, right? It's just a matter of scale. I leave it to be any other questions. I wanted to just share my experience with the guided meditation this morning. Was I, uh, I started that inquiry of who's breathing and then very quickly I could just, I felt the experience of breathing and I had a, originally I had a thought like, well, they'll just be breathing. Um, but then I recognized that was a thought. And then I actually was just experiencing breathing and it was, I became curious about it. And so the, um, the answer became sort of like the booby prize, you know, it sort of to answer that question was no longer the most interesting thing, but rather my, my actual experience. Nice. I just wanted to share. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. You just encapsulated really beautifully what the point of uh, inquiry is. And what we did this morning, I would call meditative inquiry. It was sort of part meditation, part inquiry. But yeah, that's the idea is that the answer is an experience. The answer is an experience. 
And I hope we can get to inquiry later in the course because it's, I think it's a really important part of awakening. I called the course meditation for awakening. I couldn't figure out how to sneak inquiry in there. But, um, I think that if you, um, inquiry into what truth is, what is actually happening is a really important part to keep your meditation sharp. It's sort of like, uh, meditation is the yin, the, the feminine, the soft and inquiry is the yang. Inquiry is more focused. Inquiry is the domain of koans. Maybe you've heard of koans like, uh, what did you look like before your parents were born? It's a koan. Leaning surely against a tree, I fall. What color is the wind? That's one of my favorite ones. What color is the wind? And the idea is you sit with these for long periods of time. And it's sort of like introducing a computer virus into your mind because the mind can't answer it. And so it exhausts itself and sees its own limitations. Uh, that's part of what can happen. And then it, the ego relaxes and something else can come through. Your kind of technique for trying to locate the meditator is a bit of a koan. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that. I never really thought about that. It is. Yeah. So to me, really... <laughs> It's a funny phrase, incisive meditation, meditation for awakening. It's not about a trance state. It's not about a sleepiness. It's really there. And that's why my favorite big frame for meditation is finding the meditator because that keeps you active. It keeps you looking. And uh, a lot of meditation out there that is sold as, you know, uh, relaxing or, um, you know, improving your lifestyle or whatever, it, 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 it doesn't have that kind of incisiveness to it. It doesn't have that kind of edge. So it will make you a more a well-adjusted ego. And hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But as said, if you want to wake up, it won't take you there. Other questions? Uh, just an observation, and Kurt, this is something that I can, I can relate to your comments about the the fear and you know anxiety. Um, and I would categorize myself still in the the kitty pool, the waiting pool when it comes to meditation. Uh, but one of the first things I noticed was uh, this was about six months ago when someone was just just riding on my ass, just right behind my car, and that would normally just like. It was me versus them, and that's how I would get. It. So this is kind of going. Oh yeah, here. it's on. It's a war. It's a war, and and I would be like, oh, I'm gonna, this guy's such, such such an ass, and I would literally intentionally, you know, break or downshift. Like they might hit me. Like, like how stupid is that? Like, yeah, let's cause an accident to show this person. Yeah, I'm going to damage my vehicle and put my life in jeopardy, right? And this this guy was just you know two feet behind my bumper. And I was like, and instead of getting aggro, it, and I was like, oh, this person must have somewhere they really need to be. I'm going to pull over and let them pass. And I'd never had that before. And I just let them pass. And I would normally expect some confrontation or we're flipping each other off or starting some whatever. And the person looked at me just stunned and was like, thanks. And I was like, you're welcome. And it was like this pleasant pause. And they just kept blazing by. And I'd never had that experience before and it was so strange and anyway i just wanted to share that yeah that's the kind of thing that will start to spontaneously happen thanks ed uh, the more you meditate but let's while we're on this subject let's take just a couple of minutes to actually do something with this does anybody have a fearful thought they've had recently 
I'm sure you have, right? It's plenty to be afraid of in the world. So take your best, scariest, fearful thought. And if you don't have one handy, you can make one up. I'm sure your mind can do that. Take that, your best fearful thought. Okay, you have the thought now. Now turn the volume up on it. So it's like, oh man, it's worse than you thought. It's worse. It's really, it's really likely to happen. You're not sure, but it's really likely to happen. Very, very scary. You're feeling that more. Now leave that right where it is. And now imagine this is how your life is going to be like for the rest of your life. That level of fear. Something changes, right? There's nothing you can do about it. You can only change you, not the thought. That's allowing things to be as they are. So if the thing is bugging you, whatever it is, it means you're probably not allowing it to be as it is. Now, that does not mean never making any effort to change it. It just means that your first reaction, the contextual reaction is allowing it to be first. And then whatever you do to go about changing it, you're going to do that from a place of acceptance. Change begins with a yes. Acceptance can be more, much more productive and peaceful as yeah. opposed, as opposed to suffering, suffering, yeah. not helping me. Right. Right. Yeah. You ever, uh, you know, like investigating a situation, you know, questioning an employee, for example, about what something that happened and you're still a little frustrated about it and they can sense that you're frustrated and you, you really just want information, but they can sense blame coming their way. And they just shut down and won't tell you anything. Yeah, don't do that with yourself. (laughs) You just start with, okay, this happened. Nothing we can do about it now. I don't know whose fault it is or if it even matters. Let's talk about the facts. And then they'll be like, "Uh, uh, okay. If they believe you. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that clear and open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.